Hello, everybody. We, we, we are doing this with Zoom with guests now. This is the first time we're doing that. Welcome, yes. everybody. And the only reason we're doing this is because last week I was tired of looking at Jeff by myself. So I want to subject two other people to start looking at Jeff. Well, how do you think I felt? As I do. How do you feel? Look at me. Look at me compared to you. You look like you're in a Guy Ritchie movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're, gonna, we're starting early, I guess. He looks like an extra in a Guy Ritchie movie. Yeah, yeah, he, no, yeah he, he couldn't even get cast ever. as a regular in a Guy Ritchie movie. <laughs> it just looks fun where Sean is. It looks like a good place to hang out and drink. It's my office. Jeff, Jeff's been here. Jeff's seen the office. Uh, it's great. It's, it's, the, it's the ultimate Sean office. It really is. Oh, but we are here with, we here with two great guests today. We have Ken Krantz, Sharon Simon. How are you guys holding up? Hanging out, hanging in there as best I can. I'm in New York City, so we can't really go anywhere at all. Ken. Yeah, I'm just living the dream, just like I always wanted. In the basement. Yeah. I never would have had a family if I'd known I'd have to spend this much time with them. <laughs> what the fuck was I thinking? I feel so bad for everybody that's hauled up with children. I am, I've never been so sure of my decision not to have children as I am now. <laughs> I have three friends who have five-year-old twins. They're oh, you have friends? Six weeks apart. Yeah. <laughs> the three, there's three of them that have five-year-old twins. I can't even begin to imagine what they're going through. I have uh, I have a four year old girl and this is the happiest she's ever been. Like really? pandemic's the greatest thing that ever happened to her because she doesn't have to go to school anymore. She wakes up every morning like no like no school today again. I just get to play and she's she like she's not getting homeschooled. There's no like curriculum because she was in daycare. So it's literally just every day is just a drunk midget running around basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's her like every day. She's like, this is the best ever. Let's talk a little music here. So you guys have two very interesting bands. Let's start with Ken. Ken, you grew up where? New Jersey? I grew up in Jersey. And what was your influence? Who who did you listen to? Uh, I listened to, I had a lot of older brothers. So I got a lot of like the hand-me-down music. And I grew up in the 80s. So I... I grew up on like David Bowie and the Stones and a lot of classic rock, That's but also stuff. a lot of new wave. Like who, who new wave? I like new like, wave. Devo is very big in my house. Really? Uh, talking heads were huge. Oh yeah. Yeah. Did, did I can take talking heads. I can take talking heads. Were you ever that part of that scene? Did you ever go like go into the city and were you, you know, were you still like, were you still around when they had Max's Kansas city and CBGVs and those places? Um, I, that I was a little, uh, young for that. So, um, like I said, it was like all hand-me-down. I was like a little kid when that, when, when MTV first hit and all those bands hit. And who um, stuck with you the most? Like if, you know, who's like your go-to artist? Is it Bowie? My go it's, it's, it's a toss up between Bowie and Iggy Pop. Ah, well, you know what? The two really go hand in hand. Yes, they they made a lot. They made a lot of music together. Right, wasn't it? Um, Iggy Pop was a writer on uh, on on two of the very big Bowie tracks. I think he did um, "China Girl" and uh, "Tonight," you know, which was like the peak of the real big Bowie resurgence of the eighties. Right. Yeah. Well, they. Um, it's interesting. So they spent like a year or two years in Berlin together. 
And uh, I was like, I think it was right after Ziggy Stardust when when Bowie had become huge and then sort of wanted to retreat into himself a little bit. That's the 70s. That's like early 70s. Right. And Iggy was with this great band, the Stooges, that like were one of the most influential bands of all time. But, uh, you know, when they were around, nobody ever went to see them and they never made any money. Exactly. So he had just so we, left. We all he kind of relate left. to that as comedians. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so Bowie and him packed up and went to Berlin and uh, Bowie produced a couple of his albums and played keyboards in his band. Like Bowie went from being the biggest rock star on the planet to being the keyboard player in Iggy Pop's band. And um, but they made these two albums, The Idiot and Lust for Life. And well, that's Iggy, yeah, they wrote China Girl together. They wrote all those songs appeared first on Iggy albums that nobody ever heard. And then Bowie made them monster hits. In the I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Lust, Lust for Life was basically his real Iggy's big comeback album because that had candy on it also, right? No, 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 no. Candy came out. That was like in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. Lust, Lust for Life was oh, so right. like, Lust for Life is much uh, earlier. That's yes, right, 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 right. Candy, Candy was like '90s, and then it also had. Uh, it was did Kate Pearson sing on that as well? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, good. Good I'm, I'm a huge Aaron. You can jump in. I'm sorry. I love that story. I love her. She's amazing. Yeah, great. Yeah. I, that's the only time I ever saw Iggy Pop was on that tour. They opened. Iggy opened for. Porno for uh, pyro for porno, porno for pyros. No, it wasn't even that. It wasn't even that. It was uh, James Addiction. Okay, yeah, that makes more sense. Right, right. And that was over at the pier. Hmm. You guys, remember, yeah, you guys Iggy, remember that? Iggy is, in my opinion, the Stooges were the greatest American band of all time, and Iggy, in my opinion, is the best. <laughs> Hold on, stop, stop. Yeah. Look at Sean's face, everybody. I saw Sean's face. <laughs> I saw his big dumb head. I don't that's care. that's that's a very bold statement. Yeah. You really think Iggy, that? I think Iggy's the best rock and roll front man who ever lived. He's a great front man. He's You've seen guy. him, right? Like I, yeah, I, I saw him top 20, but I saw him on a whim. My brother took me to a concert, like just kind of out of the blue. And um, I didn't know anything about him. And that dude was probably 50 at the time and was swinging from the rafters and jumping in the crowd, like bringing the crowd on stage. Heroin does that to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't deny that. He's probably in his late 60s, early 70s at this point, he's right? He's in his 70s he at 70s. this point. He's still shredded. Yeah. He still has the treasure trail going whenever he's on stage, too. He's ridiculously shredded. Like, I, I can't even imagine what I would have to do at this point in my life to even come, like... You'd have to have your head transplanted on someone else's body. Okay. We can, we can... Hey, what would you say is your favorite Bowie song? It's a tough question, I know, but still. My favorite Bowie song? Yeah. Um, I love uh, I love Queen Bitch on the Hunky Dory album. And oh, it's gonna, you're going to laugh at me, that's but Let's Dance that's is still one of my favorite songs of all time. Which one? Let's Dance. It's a great song. I still yeah. fucking love that song. Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah. How about you, Sean? What was uh, I gotta tell you, I I always liked David Bowie. Like I never went too deep. Uh, that was not one of those bands that or artists that was really pushed on me uh, because you know I had the country and then I had the rock, so it kind of fell in the middle. Uh, but I liked the hits for a long time, and then 
uh, I went to see the Bowie exhibit in Brooklyn when they had the Brooklyn Museum of Art. Right. And they took over and they did a whole Bowie exhibit uh, last year. And I mean, it literally just blew me away. I just started diving really hard into him. Uh, I, I mean, I do. And it's like you said, Let's Dance is kind of weird for you to say. For me, it's Rebel Rebel. Yeah. Great song, too. You know, and, you know, I love I love watching like those those videos. I don't know if you ever saw it where they take like 10,000 people and they all start playing the band, the, the song from the band at the same time. Like they'll have like, like 500 guitar players. And 500 drummers and they're all playing one song at the same time in like a huge stadium and they do rebel rebel which is it's, it's i see that i hate that of course because <laughs> you don't like fun you don't like life <laughs> i don't like life sharon david bowie song heroes I love oh, that yeah. and i love how that song re-emerged in uh 2001 right after Se september 11th it would it's still thinking about how i felt when that song would play back then still brings tears to my eyes Hollywood vampires do a good version of that now too, and and also Motorhead. It was the last song Lemmy ever recorded. Oh, I love that. Oh, wow. and, and I like that's that a good version. one. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a great version. I love Bowie. Absolutely love Bowie. But I I think my favorite song, and it's so hard to pick one, has always been Young Americans. Oh, it's a great song. Yeah. You know, and a couple things. I mean, it's you got Luther Vandross singing background on it. Vandross. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm a big Luther Vanderoth fan. <laughs> I like that. And and then like later on, we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Sean. Do you remember when we when we talked about nine inch nails when we talked about how much nine inch nails started to influence Bowie? And he mm -hmm. comes out with an album in the late seventies called Earthling. And he had a song called Little Wonder, which I absolutely loved. And I know you like um I'm afraid of Americans on that. Yeah, that's that's a killer song. I mean, that's I think the too was was really really good. You know, I had tickets to the concert when the two of them were together, and I didn't end up going because of some college theater thing. I still regret oh, that. Bad oh, bad decision. Yeah. Oh God, that was such a good show, and, and it was I'm interesting sure. how they 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 um they switched because Nine Snails opened, and then gradually one member would come off. And then the next member of Bowie's band would come on and they would just integrate that way. And there was no pause in the show. A um, few years ago, before, you know, before he died, I guess it was like maybe 2004, uh, he did something called the New York Marathon, where he did a show in each borough each night. And I got to actually work that show and work with him. And he did this at, the, at Snug Harbor. It's a small little, think about almost the size of maybe a junior high school uh, auditorium. And he opens up with one of my favorite all-time Bowie songs, Hollow Space Boy. I bombed that, that room in Snug Harbor, too, for a private event. So <laughs> me and Bowie, are, uh, we played the same venue. Well, we didn't bomb, man. It was, it was great. It was re really, really great. Well, I'm sure he wasn't playing to 300 drunk Italians like I was. <laughs> and Sharon, let's go, let's go over to you, man. Um, you picked one of my favorite all-time bands. I love. Go ahead. So my favorite band is uh, is uh, Tears for Fears. This is a T-shirt from the concert that you and I were both at in down the shore town, Red Bank. Uh, my brain isn't working as quickly as it did before the pandemic, but uh, Tears for Fears has been my favorite album, my favorite group, my whole life. I. I think my first memory of them is being at the town pool and hearing one of their songs and realizing that it spoke to me. And 
as I've gone through life, I've gotten more and more attached to them as a band. Uh, I, Roland Orzabal, I think, is the greatest artist of all time. I'm so glad he's still alive and still with us. We got some real declarative statements here. The Scrooges are the best American band of all time. Roland yeah. Osbourne, greatest artist of all time. Yeah, yeah, because he's not just, obviously he's a fantastic musician, he's a great singer, he's a fantastic frontman. but where he thrives beyond anyone else is his ability as a writer to explain the human condition in words that can be danced to. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty deep. I, I, I like him as well, and I think, you know, they're known for the music off of songs from the big chair. That was like, you know, that's their that's their biggest that's their biggest album. But they were they they broke out with the hurting. So their first album was their first album. They only have a handful there. of albums. They only have like six albums, maybe. They don't have a lot. They don't have a, yeah, a not a lot. Album. And they were and they were you know, Roland Orzabal was calling himself Tears for Fears by himself for two albums. And I, I have one of them, uh, but not everybody stayed with him through that, especially Kurt Smith is kind of like the cute one. So they lost a lot of female fans. And I think that from now, because now as an adult, we have Facebook. I'm in a bunch of Facebook clubs who love the band. And it's, it's actually fascinating to see how many women are obsessed with them to a really weird degree. You know, when you talk about talking about the human condition, what they write about, I love the title track off of Elemental. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Elemental was uh, was something Roland Orzabal did on his own. Um, right. Everybody Loves a Happy Ending is, is their biggest album in the 90s. And it's Everybody Loves a Happy Ending because they got back together at that time. Right. I, I think that's where they lost me after Elemental because then they came out with, I think, Kings of Raul. Raul and the King of Spain. Yeah, I, 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 I really didn't like that, that album. It, was very, it wasn't a big hit. But Everybody no. Loves a Happy Ending was their reemergence. Sowing the Seeds of Love was, uh, was um, not on that one. But Everybody Loves a Happy Ending was pretty big. And my wedding songs from that album, too. Yeah, we talked about this yeah. at, uh, one night at Greenwich. Um, yeah, I like Sowing the Seeds of Love because I think it, it's a very Beatles-influenced album, mm -hmm. especially yeah. the song Sowing the Seeds of Love. It's a trippy video, too. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You, I, didn't, I didn't I have TV as a kid, so I didn't even get to see these videos until later in life. Like, one of the things that went on when I was starting to first dating my husband when we first moved in together is we would drink and watch videos because I hadn't seen any of this stuff. I didn't know what people looked like. This, this is, is my night every night, Sharon, just so you know. <laughs> now, Ken, Ken, Sharon, do you guys know the common thread between Bowie and Tears for Fears? There, well, Bowie is really the godfather of new wave music. Um, it goes, as far as I would think, it would be, go. it goes from him to, um, uh, um, what's his name? His name escapes me. Uh, single guy, works with a couple of people here and there, guitar player. These are great clues, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, like I said, my, my fucking clue what you talked about. <laughs> uh, he played the guitar. He played the guitar, he had hair. When I walked down to the beach. <laughs> well, whatever. It goes from him to Depeche Mode, and then I think that basically Tears for Fears Violent goes in Violent Femmes. Were you just singing Violent Femmes? No. No. 
no. No, I don't see Violent Femmes on that track either. I think Violent Femmes are actually American, aren't they? Yes. You can always tell there's four comics in the room. One of them is really struggling, and the other three just sit back like this. <laughs> and just watch you die a slow, painful death. It's beautiful. Bizarre love triangle. What is their name? <laughs> New Order. New Order. I love New Order. They're, they're British. <laughs> so I think it goes from Bowie to New Order to Depeche Mode, and I think that Tears for Fears goes in a different direction than the Peshmoots, so it doesn't really follow the same trajectory, but it's part of the same timeline. What I was getting at was much simpler. They had they shared the same bass player, and it's, <laughs> everyone remembers her as the bold black chick. Oh yeah, she's fantastic. Bass. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is Gail Ann yeah. Dorsey. What's her name again? Gail Ann Dorsey. That's right. She's she a great. On Mellencamp too. Uh, no, that's um, Michelle Niagara. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a different bull black chick. That was but Michelle Van der Ross. Is, <laughs> <laughs> is she really I think came with the callback. <laughs> oh, this is what we do. Bella Dorsey was also a really good singer. She used to do, um, I've, I've seen them do it live when I saw Bowie in concert. She would take Freddie Mercury's part and under pressure. Correct. Oh. Yeah, correct. And it was there's some uh, on YouTube. There's some really good footage of that. Yeah, she started with um, Tears for Fears. Now Tears for Fears was what was, they were great about was I remember seeing them at Jones Beach, and th this was on Seeds of Love album, and they had Olita uh, Adams. Uh, yeah, she said Woman in Chains. Yeah, right. And she was she was great. And when she did uh, Woman in Chains. Mm -hmm. Great, great song by that. No, I know, I know she's, I know Alita Adams is black, but is she bald as well? No. No. Okay. They, they, they weren't exclusive to only bull black chicks. Well, I had an ass. They did allow hair. They had a, they had a white woman last time I saw them. They did. One thing yeah. I like about she bald. A lot of hair. One thing I always think it's cool is when I see like, you know, I'm a big cover song fan. Yeah. I love hearing different versions of cover songs. And normally you hear like one good cover song from a band, but Tears for Fears actually had two songs that were really done well. Which uh, one? Well, they had Mad World. They didn't write that? No, they did. I'm talking about covers of Tears oh, for Fears. Oh, yes, yes. And Adam uh, Lambert. Well, Adam Lambert did that, but uh, Gary Jules did the really popular version from, what was that, Donnie Darko, I think? Donnie Darko, yeah, with the rabbit. Yeah. And then Disturbed, actually, on their first album, did Shout. The yeah. heavy version of Shout. Uh, Lord, did a, Lord did a version of Everybody Wants to Rule the World that came back out. I'm not a fan of Lord. She reminds me of like a... It's a weird version. Yeah. And, and I, opened, I, when you saw them on this tour, they opened with that, with, that, yes. with that version playing before they came out. Well, I think it's smart if you're trying to get young fans to play somebody that young people know. And the only way to stay relevant is to have young fans. And I, I can't see, to, every time I see Tears of Fears, I'm paranoid it's the last time I'm ever going to see them. Meanwhile, Depeche Mode is selling out Madison Square Garden because they have young fans. Lord scares me. Like She looks like she smells like patchouli and body odor. She reminds me of every like spoiled community theater actress that you'll see in suburbia that has way too much money to be in the theater. Bowie did a, a lot of really great covers, and I think one of the more obscure ones, like they he, he covered the Beach. One of my favorite Beach Boys songs was "God Only Knows." Yes, 
Yeah, on the Tonight album, which was right, not, which right. Was not a great album. It's it's not, but that, that was the one that immediately followed up. Um, Let's uh, dance. Let's dance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That that had uh, what? Uh, Blue Jean. Blue Jean. Yeah. That song. I think oh, you. I love that song when it came out. Ken, I think you were actually the one who actually inspired me to really go back and listen to Pet Sounds. Yeah. That somebody album's somebody that put album. a post up. I think it may have been you. And I was like, you know, I really got to go back and listen to that. And when you really hear that, that is one of the most perfectly recorded, written albums I've ever heard in my life. It Watch is. Them. It's. I say I'm a Beach Boys fan, but I really think I'm just a Pet Sounds fan. Like anytime I hear any of their goofy surf music, I turn it off. <laughs> yeah, you're a big Brian Wilson fan. Yes. Right. Did yeah. you guys see the movie uh, Love and Mercy? Yeah, I love yeah, it. It was great. Yeah. Great movie. It's got John Cusack. How can I lo- not love it? I didn't know you were a big John Cusack fan. Yeah, he's kind of like my man crush. John really? I can see. Yeah. I feel like you have a lot of man crushes. I have a few. I have a few. But John Cusack's my favorite actor. So, on your seven o'clock show, that should be your topic. No, so tonight's t- tonight's a different topic. But we, we've we've delved into that already about the celebrity crushes and. Are you telling your, your your man crushes? And Jason Momoa had to happen to pop up into that conversation. So. Yeah. This is why I, I can't think of two actors so different. I know. I was just thinking you really run the spectrum in your dude. Listen, I don't have a type. What am I going to type? This is, we got to, sorry, go back to Tears <laughs> for Fears. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Sean, Sean coming out edition of uh, Who's Your Band? <laughs> um, we always knew. <laughs> we just well, have to use I your mean, minute. On. I got the fashion, the good look. Who are, you, who are your top five man crushes? All right, so I'll go. John Cusack, Jason Momoa, Bradley Cooper, uh, Deimos. Uh, maybe back in the day. Maybe back in the day. Not now. Not current Stamos. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I don't think we'd vibe. He got, he got too old for Sean. I don't think we'd vibe anymore. Yeah, he's not much of a twink. Only I can stretch out two more. <laughs> you can. You have a whole list. Listen, I can't make the cut. Listen, I haven't you seen have more man crushes than I've had in my entire life already here. I have to talk to my therapist before I can reveal the other two. I'm sure they're wrestlers. No. Is Jeffrey Paul, is Jeffrey Paul number four? Oh, no, no. no. Not even close. I'm, I'm not young enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I like him. I like him. I don't like him in, the, like, their, in their 60s like Jeff. I kind of like him. Why got him in my 60s? <laughs> well, could you look at Oh man, I, yeah. So Brian I, Adams, you like Brian Adams? Uh Brian Adams. Um he was my inspiration to play guitar though. I'll tell you that. Did I ever tell you that? No. So I've seen Brian Adams in concert, probably the number third of all the concerts I've seen because my closest friend uh growing up, her favorite uh person is Brian Adams. I've seen all it is now is middle-aged women who are just dying to meet him who think that he's singing to them so we're all going to a brian adams show is what we're saying <laughs> he, was, he was scheduled to open for bon jovi this summer yeah that ain't um, I'm, I'm sure she had front row tickets for it she probably had a ticket for me set aside if i was free speaking of great content ken did you ever get a chance to see bowie on the glass spider tour I didn't see that tour. I was a little young when that came out, but I remember my brother telling me about that tour. He went to see it 
And he told me for years, it was the coolest show he'd ever seen. There was this gigantic glass spider that came down from the ceiling, like a UFO or something. And then Bowie like descended from it. And he said it was the coolest thing. And he said the band was amazing. And I heard this for years. And then one day I tracked down, they'd made a concert film of it. And I was able to, it was like out of print, but I tracked down this DVD because my brother had told me about it so much. And I brought it home and we popped it in and watched it. And it was the gayest shit I'd ever seen in my life. It was like, (laughs) he built it up that it was like this, like monumental epic rock thing. And it was like a horrible Broadway production. I was, I was 51 when I went to go see that show. And uh, years ago, okay. I wasn't 51. I, 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 like, like, no one even challenged. <laughs> you guys I was really surprised. I was like, that was like 87. Like in the 90s, you idiots. <laughs> hey, listen, Sean just revealed three man crushes. And one thing we're going to realize too, we're going to get Jeff Paul's real age tonight. Yeah. He tells me, he tells me what he, what I think he wants me to hear, but I, I'm, I'm thinking 63. How old? But, uh, I went to that. I went to that show, and it was a weird. It was a weird lineup because Squeeze opened up, and Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam was, mm-hmm. the, was the first band. Yeah, I remember up. my brother telling me that. Yeah, That's the of, weirdest lineup I've ever heard in my life. Is that a weird lineup? Well, it's like it when was, I saw Slayer and, and last year. They had Primus opening up for them. It was just. It made no sense. It made absolutely no sense. Uh, I'll age myself. I actually was part of the CBGB's Maxwell crowd back in the day. And I actually partied with Joey Ramone a lifetime ago at Maxwell's. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Thank you. (laughs) I played CBGB's in 2000. That's about it. That's my only only claim to fame for CBGB's. Now it's a stupid clothing store. John Barbados. You know what's weird is that they still kept the walls. Did you know that? Yes. They still kept the walls. So, like, I saw a Gaslight Anthem there, like, five or six years ago at Barbados doing, like, a, a record release party. And they just wheel the walls out and put them along the sides. It's just, it's so creepy. They have, a, like, a CBGB cafe at Newark Airport. Yeah, I know. Where I you can go get, like, a $16 mimosa, which is, like, <laughs> yeah, that that seems like it'd be in the spirit. That, that's punk rock. Yeah, that's punk. <laughs> have you guys ever been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yes. No. No, I'm dying to. Yeah, like, they have right. they have the original awning uh, downstairs at the uh, at the hall. Yeah. When I went, they had Johnny Cash's tour bus parked in the front, and they let you go on. And of course, everything's like roped off. And I like me because I'm a piece of shit. Uh, I tried to steal something off the bus, but everything is completely lacquered down. Like they have an ashtray on on a on a bench, and I'm like. <laughs> And just try and pick it up, and it's like it's like three pounds of shellac over everything, so no one can steal anything. I don't and look sixty-three. No, you don't, Sod. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't look Johnny, to Johnny anything George said. Well, I'm thinking about. I don't look fucking sixty-three. Why are you in my head? Get out of my head. <laughs> There's a lot of space in there. That's why. <laughs> I think I'm the oldest person on the podcast. I just want to make that clear. I'm pretty sure I am. I'm not. Oh no, Jeff is. Jeff is. No, Jeff is. <laughs> Whatever. I like Johnny Cash's uh, uh, cover of Hurt. I think that that's one of the most interesting covers I've ever heard. I think it's one of the few songs that the actual cover is better than the original song. Yeah. Good call there. 
And I like that version. I mean, I like I like the Nine Inch Nails version, but I, I do think he just took it to a different level. Remember that video? I, like he was almost dead when he shot it. Well, he really he was. was. He hands playing the piano. Yeah, that shit was haunting. It really well, was. It feels like Ken's about to say something awful. Oh, that, that's every time he opened his mouth. That's why I'm terrified of all I time. I have. What is this like a family thing? I haven't. No, said fuck it. no. Who cares? You can curse all you want. Oh. I haven't said anything. I'm not like no, but you know, you know the story of of uh, of that video, right? He was like basically on his deathbed. He died right. less than a month after recording that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he looked it. He looked every bit of it. Oh, he did. It, 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 it was it was frightening. I bought the box set, the American Recordings box set on vinyl, and you can hear the progression from the first one to the second to the third to the fourth to the fifth. How his voice is really strong in the first two. And then trails off a little bit and just keeps going further and further down. But some of the best recordings I've ever heard on those albums, they do like, I won't back down by, by Tom Petty does a cover of and rusty cage from Soundgarden. That's a great, that that's rusty great. cage was a great version. Yeah. That, that, all of those albums are solid. They're really, really, it's, it's like, you know, a lot of people put up, like, they try and put out one last album before they go, and it's like uh, you can hear him. Like even like when I was talking about Motorhead doing Heroes, like you heard Lemmy like physically dying while he's singing this song, but like it was the last song he did. But to put out six albums in a span of like four years when you're knowing you're gonna die, it's kind of it's kind of deep. It's kind of deep. Do you ever, do you ever hear that Warren Zevon song that he put out before he died? Uh, no. I've heard of it, but I never heard it. Oh my God! I mean, if if you if you're not crying at the end of it, you don't have a soul. It is so heart wrenching. It's it's really the most one of the most depressing things I've ever heard. Well, the good and, news and is we're really getting a lot more of those songs in the next few months. Yeah, that is very true. <laughs> From all sorts of artists that we thought were fine. Yeah. So, what are you guys doing to pass uh, the time during this uh, this coronavirus pandemic? I'm learning how to use Adobe Rush. Okay. For what purpose? Okay. Yeah, it's coming uh, along great. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, I built this bridge. Lost <laughs> <laughs> my hand doing it. <laughs> but one of the things I do is I take a bath almost every night, and I, I, I listen to a Pandora station that I created out of Everybody Loves a Happy Ending, not all of Tears for Fears, just that album. And it's amazing how many songs from that album sound like what we're going through. I, like, I, I recommend to all three of you to just listen to just that album. The final song on it is um, Last Days on Earth. That was my wedding song. I've been married less than two years. This whole thing is really bizarre. So you really made your wedding song last days on earth? Yes. You haven't have you heard why the you song? Just, why did you just do creeping death while you're at it? You, 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 it's you, not the song the song is I told you I'd hold you till our last days on earth. And it's oh, the lyrics now are, like, see now I feel the lyrics like, are beautiful. Yeah. Uh Tears of Fears is not big on on trivial love songs. Not, neither am I. It's a very deep song. Okay. I'll listen to it then. I see my mind goes the other way. When I start hearing weddings and I hear end of days, that's just where I start putting two and two together. Well, we got married less than two years ago and I'm clearly a peer of Jeffrey Paul's, which to you is very old, so. 
Listen, Karen, no. you are easily 15 years younger than Jeffrey Paul. I'm not. I'm not. I don't remember how old Jeffrey Paul Jeff is, is, but we're Jeff very is 67 years old. Do you realize that? He's Shut 60. Up. Why, is this, why is this the topic of, of the podcast? Why, why do we have to talk about my age? Because I don't know shit about fucking Tears for Fears. That's why. All I can do is go back to my hacky age jokes. It's very there's no more. There's no more show business to get back to. You may as well reveal it. Exactly. Oh, no, no. It, 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 I, I am... I'm a, I'm hanging in there. I think by June, we're back to normal. Oh, no. We have no comedy shows this summer at all. Absolutely not. You don't think so? No. I've been Mr. Positivity for the past month doing this shit, trying to bring positivity. And now I'm just starting to realize, what the fuck am I doing? Because I'm going to be in my house until September. What do you, what do you guys think comedy looks like uh, in the summer, in this fall, no. when we come back to it? Well, we're the good thing is, is I think we're going to lose a lot of the people who are like young, gorgeous people that came into the comedy business thinking that this is a way to get on Saturday Night Live. I think that we're going to lose them. And I think that will open things up for us in places that we want to. I think it's a very smart statement, actually. A lot of the, a lot of the open mic crowd is going to wind up dying. And you're going to Not dying. They're just going to do other things. They're yeah. just going to leave. I th- I th- I think that um, there's going to be a lot of clubs that close. Yeah. So I think there's going to be a lot less spots to go around. So I think some of the comics who are maybe um, uh, more hobbyist, you know, maybe comics with with full time jobs who who are who who do this, you know, more for fun. I think you're going to see a lot of them now unemployed, and I think you're going to see a lot of them going away. But I think you're also, like I said, going to see a lot of clubs down and less spots to go around in general. So, what do you think about produce shows? Produce shows. Yeah. See, I feel really confident in my ability to do my own thing when this is over, because this has taught me a really big lesson in how much control we have over what we do and how much control we don't have over what goes on around us. It's very true. I'm lucky that I don't work a lot of clubs. Yeah, so, you know, I do more private stuff and, yeah. and fundraisers and shit like that. So. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say, is it, I think there'll be a big market for that stuff's not going anywhere. But right. the fundraisers, yeah. you'll still have, you'll have those uh, different places, comedy nights. I could see happening. Um, what do you think about like more private shows? Where like when I'm talking about private, like you have people who have a little bit of money get like you know twenty twenty five uh, of their friends together. And they do a show in their house or backyard or something like that. Is that like bread and butter, dude? That's my bread and butter. I think it's going to be exploding up a lot. And after after August, I think I don't think it's going to happen before that. But right, so where people are kind of like a little nervous about getting back out there with a lot of people. But if you have like 15, 20 of your friends, and then they hire a comic to come in or or a couple of comics to put on like a show in that way. It's so it's going to be like prohibition with like speakeasies, except for jokes. I don't know if this helps. I make a good portion of my living officiating weddings. Weddings aren't getting canceled. They're getting postponed and they're getting shrunk. So they're not going to get married in April. They'll get married in September. And instead of having 250 people, they'll have 50. But it's still going to happen. Now, and Sharon, I think comedy is going to follow the same thing. I've done the wedding officiant thing, too. Now, have people asked you to do comedy at the weddings as well? I've I've emceed weddings, but not done comedy. So, no. welcome the bride, the bride's mother. That oh no no, I've I've been forced to actually do stand up. Have you? I, I do. Yeah, 
yeah, it's not fun. Like I had a person from, I had a couple from like Newburgh saw me a couple times at Laugh It Up. And they were like, you know, you don't want you to do comedy at my wedding. I'm like, no, but I can marry you. I mean, I'm an officiant. They go, how about you do both? I'm like, I don't, I said, your aunt from Virginia does not want to see me do jokes. No. Yeah. And they're like, no, no, they're going to love it. They're going to love it. So I married them, had a beautiful ceremony. And then three minutes into this act, I mean, everybody just starts looking at me like, why is this fucking guy talking? How many times did you have to do? I've done three, I've done four weddings, like doing comedy at four different weddings. That was. Have you guys guys ever done um, colleges? Yeah. I haven't. I can't do a college. I can't imagine I would. I can't imagine I'd do well with college crowds. No, you just you just do a different act. They're 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 different. They're younger. They're sensitive to things that uh, adults find funny. So you just do it a little different. They could be done at any time. There's nothing worse. Like the money is always good, but there's nothing mm-hmm. worse than going in to do like the the twelve o'clock one in the afternoon show in what is also the community room, which is also like the cafeteria. The cafeteria, and some yeah, people yeah. Are studying, <laughs> they're not 100% sure. And if there's about, you know, the room that could fit, say, 200 people, there's maybe 30 people in there, and five of them are there for comedy. That is- And cool. everybody else is studying, and they're, they're like, studying, why are you talking, food. old lady? Right. Shut up. Yeah, and it feels like an ambush show. You're right. I've had those, man. We've had the ambush shows, definitely. Those are the worst. Those oh, are the fucking worst. I did a gig. I did a gig for a guy that hired me for two private gigs. He, he's, he's a Orthodox Jewish guy, and during <laughs> I know the, the one he's year probably still out and about somewhere. One year, I think it was during Hanukkah. He was like, "I wanted." He hired me. It was just all guys. So I was like, "This is going to be tough," and they were great. And then the second year, he wanted to hire me back, and I go, "Look, I'm not going to do anything different. You're going to hear the same shit." He goes, "No, just pick on us." And so I went there, did a lot of crowd work, same thing calls me last year can you do it again i'm like yeah no problem but it wasn't for like his orthodox jewish friends the guy owns a hospice care facility uh, yeah and it was at five o'clock after all the hospice workers got off duty mind you they're probably like cleaning shit burying people they're doing all this and they're still in their scrubs and he's like here's my friend sean i looked up i swear to god i was in fight 45 minutes into my act i was four minutes in <laughs> I had to do an hour. I, I, now I, you know I, how your crowd feels. Every <laughs> night. I had this fantasy because I, I, I've lost a couple of family members, not to coronavirus, but to other things. And I've come to realize that people in Way their last days. Way to bring down days, the show, Sharon. What's that? Well, Way to bring down the I, show. I'm sorry. The real people who are who are not doing well like to hear other people talk and there's nothing comedians love more than hearing their own voices so i thought if we could get terminally ill people and put them with comedians everybody would win <laughs> yeah i did a i did a show at sloan kettering once yeah i did that show too with yeah uh, from maury right yeah i think that was his name and i went and there was no sick people it was like none of them bothered to show and I only went so I can like do something that made me feel good about myself. Like it wasn't yeah. even like, oh, I should help somebody. It was like, I'll do this and then I'll feel good. And guys- I was so annoyed that there wasn't any cancer patients there. It was like. <laughs> yeah, it's disappointing. I said. I, 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 <laughs> I said it was just you like a couple. On a ventilator like a, when you do a show like that. 
It I swear to God, members who just came down and didn't even know that there was a show. And I remember asking one of them if she wouldn't mind hooking herself up to oxygen so I could at least feel like I was doing something good. I was talking to my friend today about the podcast, and she goes, "Who's on? Who's on the show?" And I said, "Well, Sharon Simon." And she goes, "Oh my god, I love Sharon." I said, "That's awesome." And she goes, "Who else?" I said, "Ken Cran." She goes, "You know, I'm only Facebook friends with him, but he's really funny." And I said, "Here's the thing: just stay Facebook friends with him." <laughs> when you start to really realize what kind, like I, I, I went on Time Hop a couple weeks ago, and it actually popped up. And this is the honest to God's truth, and I don't bullshit when I say this. I truly believe that Ken is one of the most prolific, best comedy writers that is out there. I truly, truly believe that. Now, on the flip side, he is one of the biggest pieces of shit that I've ever met in my entire life doing comedy. So it's like a real strange balancing act, you know? Like I really, I said, I'm not really a piece of shit. I just, I like, I write piece of shit jokes. I'm not really. No, I know that. But what I, I even said to her, I said, you know what? If, you know, not if, but when I do get a sitcom, Ken is the first person I hire as a writer. And that's the truth. I truly feel, I, I, I'm very strongly feel about it, about you. I'm yeah, Ken, is, Ken is very funny. I, I follow him on Facebook too. He always has something really uh, funny to write. Both of you guys uh, do. Thank you. Sometimes I sit there and I read his posts and I go, <laughs> and just get, I get angered sometimes when I see some of the stuff that he writes. And I'm like, fucking prick. If he could just do it on stage, you know what I mean? Like he writes this stuff. He just he just bombs all the time on stage. I just don't understand why he can't put the two and two together, though. Well, how could he bomb it? Look at his personalities. He's so vivacious. He's he's yeah. he's so much charisma. Yeah, <laughs> it's just oozing off of me. <laughs> you need a white track jacket. <laughs> We're sponsored tonight by our mascot Cheech, which I stole from a gig in Pennsylvania, by the way. It wasn't lacquered down. No, it wasn't lacquered down. We stole him. If but, someone put a show in a COVID war, a COVID ward, how many comedians do you think would go and show up to perform? Oh, comedians Ow. are assholes. So of course you'll have some. Everybody you know, would go. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. COVID do it. ward. I wouldn't either. There's no chance. I'm doing a Zoom comedy show on Saturday. I just did one. What have you done any yet? Have any of you? I done did. One? I did I one for uh, people that I was on the cruise with. Uh, we're doing like this big, like huge countywide Easter egg thing where they had like you know tons of people on. I came on to like ten minutes, and it's like weird because they muted the microphones mm -hmm. on everybody. So like you're doing your joke and you're waiting for a little chuckle, and you're watching people laugh but you can't hear it. So it was a little weird. But this one we're doing Saturday is a fundraiser, so we're actually going to actually make money. You know, for other people doing this, it'd be a hundred people. Like comedy to me, it's a different art form. It's I terrible. It's awful. Someone yeah. asked me to do one, and I was basically like, "If I can have my parrot with me, and I'll just direct what I'm saying to my parrot, maybe because then I'm actually talking to somebody." How is Blinky? She's so good. She's loving having me home. If you want to go on my YouTube, you'll see I'm making her act, she, and she's becoming a better actress. You're, you're turning into the crazy cat lady is what you're telling us. She's not a cat. Well, you know what I mean, parrot lady. Well, crazy cat lady assumes that she was sane before she became a cat lady. Well, Once, we do know when that. you are a parrot person, everyone assumes you're crazy from the get-go. That's Well, we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. We'll go. So how was your experience, Ken, doing the Zoom comedy? 
it was um i didn't love it you know it's like you said you're you, it's like this but the the other mics are off so all you're looking at are the comics and then they're muted when you're up so the only reaction you see is kind of people like silently laughing yeah but then you can see the comments come up from the comment section and i was still getting heckled which was frustrating <laughs> Like I'm doing like I'm doing a Zoom show and I still have to see like this guy is terrible float up on the screen. That's horrible. Fuck you, you paid two dollars. <laughs> I, I, what did you I think you were getting? I hope this isn't gonna be the future of comedy where it is gonna be online. Well, it, look at Saturday yeah. Live last week. They did the whole thing virtually through Zoom too. Did you watch it? Which one? The best part was the cartoon. SNL did an episode last oh, yeah, yeah, week. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was brutal. It, it, I thought it was a little depressing how fast things pivoted to online. I mean, like, I get that you, you need an outlet, but it was just a little, like, it felt like two days into quarantine and I was seeing all these online shows pop up. Yeah, and I think you were trying it, it, it bummed me out how fast we just accepted. Everybody wants to be the first one to do it. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think so too. And I think people, you know, look, if you can't take a day or two off from being creative, then that's that's a little bit of an issue, I think. Like we can all there's other ways to be creative without right. there's other ways to do comedy, like doing things like this and right. not doing stand-up. Stand-up is a very specific art form that belongs to me. It belongs and it's it's a conversation between you and the audience. And when it's just you talking to yourself, it's a different art form. And that's what I'm scared of Saturday because I do that's a lot of insanity. Yeah, I love how Sean's like everyone can take a day off from being creative. Now watch me at seven on Facebook <laughs> discuss the funniest TV handyman from the seventies. <laughs> I've been running out of topics. Do an hour on it. Go. I've been running out of topics. I was like, this could be good until the end of April. I'm like, I go on the first one. I'm going to do this every night. Until this quarantine's over. And like, I'm watching the news every day. He's like, yeah, we're not going to be out of the house till June. I'm like, fuck. Now I got to just keep figuring out shit to talk about. Yo, what, 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 what topics do you have coming down the pipe? Tonight is uh, what TV or movie character do you associate best with? That just rolls off the tongue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what show... What was Jeffrey Paul's favorite show from the vaudeville era? <laughs> I like Slappy White, <laughs> Al Jolson. <laughs> Big fans of those guys. <laughs> Did I tell you what happened to me the other day? I don't think I texted you this. I'm doing anything I can just to do something stupid or, or funny. Like Ken writes all day long. He puts up 10 posts, you know, nine are fucking killer all the time. You know what I mean? So I don't want to put posts up all day long. I'm doing stupid shit. I took a picture. I took like a charcoal mask, right? One of my wife's charcoal masks. I put it all over my face and I just pretended like I was doing that. You believe some asshole messaged me and said, why on earth in 2020 am I doing blackface? Uh, of really? course I believe that. Have yeah. you been watching the news the last 10 years? Um, but it was a little douchey hipster fucking guy from Brooklyn. Yeah, that's a black dude. Yeah, because it, because social media is such an accepting place, you know, where where people don't blow things out of proportion and, you know, people kind of go with it and they understand the spirit of what you're doing. So I'm very shocked that that happened to you, Sean. 
Dude. I, I also love that the world's burning and there's still people going down like, but I'm offended. Like, right, exactly. You're going to spend your last days trying to cancel a comedian who doesn't have anything going on anymore. I just kept checking old fucking lady in ShopRite for a can of peaches. There's bigger things happening in this, this fucking world right now. Yes, right now, while this is all going on, my focal point is pronouns. Yeah. I've been corrected. I'm terrible. I'm dyslexic. I always make that mistake, and I've been corrected. You know, I would I would like to call him Mister Krantz, but I don't know if I'm saying the right pronoun for that. No, it's Mister. Yeah, there's no there's no change there's no transforming that. It's got he's got a steve. I can shave the goatee, put a wig on. I may be able to transition. I don't think Ken can pull that off. Now, Sean, you're a pretty rational guy. Yeah. How, did, how did you deal with with this uh, hipster doofus? I blocked him instantly. I, I I'm not even entertaining, not even entertaining. Just blocked and removed. Because I I would go back and forth sometimes. Like here, I had a, on one of my friends' pages. You know the stupid thing they were going around with. Uh, Here's my letter. It's F. You know, describe me with one word. You know, with that. So I put rhymes with maggot. <laughs> And some dude went fucking ballistic. On you? On me and him for days. Like, pounding the inbox. Just going to threaten to get my career canceled. I know bookers. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'm like, shut the fuck up, dude. You can just you get, just get laid. Seriously. What, what is he? You know the guy that owns all the VFWs? <laughs> <laughs> I make money. That's all right. Not anymore. It's all even now. I do think the end of the world happened when I fucking started doing stand-up comedy full-time on Valentine's Day, and all this shit happens two weeks later. Yeah, you, you, that was great timing. Great timing. Great timing. What are you going to do? Uh, all right, what do you think? I think, uh, I think we're, we're wrapping this up. I think we're wrapping this up. I think we had a great conversation. We don't, we don't normally have two people on Zoom We've done it in studio, but this was fun. I enjoyed it. We talked a little bit about music like we always do, and then we trail off beating the shit out of each other, which is what I love more than music. But thank you guys for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank well, you for having me be? on. Yeah, before we go, where are you guys going to be? <laughs> I'll be uh, I'll be upstairs in about an hour, and uh, I'll probably stay there for a couple hours and then wander back down here. What are you having for dinner tonight? I have something called uh, leftovers. We call them leftovers because whenever my husband makes it, we always have leftover. And right. it's red leftovers. It means it's red sauce as opposed to green leftovers, which have green sauce. Oh, you can. Dinner? Uh, I, I don't even know. I'm just going to wait to be surprised. How lucky are you? <laughs> How lucky are you? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm the, house, I'm the housewife now. So yeah. I, have to, I have to cook something. What are you cooking, Sean? Uh, I made jambalaya yesterday. What'd you, what'd you call it? Jambalaya. It's called jambalaya. It is. Whatever. I like he went Does jambalaya and then heard you call jambalaya? him on it. It was like, oh shit, I better change <laughs> jambalaya. <laughs> <laughs> he went over two. So I hate everybody except for Sharon on this episode. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. As usual. I, I, I've heard this since we've, we've had the first episode. How much you hate me. <laughs> Guys, give give us your uh, social media plug so our thirty six fans can check you out. All my stuff is Simon says laugh. There's sometimes an underscore between Simon and says because the person who has Simon says laugh isn't using it. 
but go to my YouTube because I'm actually putting stuff on and you don't want to look at me. You want to look at my parrot and she's all over it. That's as confusing as Sean's topic tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was the topic? Which TV <laughs> or movie character do you most that you most relate to with only on four and seventy six. Only on Thursdays, and it has to be on HBO and only from 1980 <laughs> to 99. So it's just my name is Sharon Simon. Just go to my stuff. There you go. I love Sharon. <laughs> and that's that's how we can get you a Kid Krantz. Ken Ken Krantz comic. Ken Krantz comic. Yeah. Yeah. Even though he's like I said, he's a dirtbag human being. He is one of my favorite comics out there. So check him out. Sharon's one of very my favorites. Nice. Like Sharon and I go back with very, very uh, long time uh, doing one of the first radio shows at my house. Do you remember that one time? Yeah, I remember your wife made me dinner. Yes. My wife felt bad because we had ordered pizzas and Sharon was like a vegetarian or something. She made her pasta. I'm vegan. Yeah, she made me pasta, which is similar to the red leftovers that I'm going to be eating tonight. So you can let your wife know I'll be thinking of her when I eat there tonight. There you go. And do you guys have podcasts of your own that you like to plug? I have a bunch of different stuff. Just go to my YouTube. Yeah, I have a, I have a podcast called Why Bother with Ritu and Ken. It's it's uh, it's just me and Ritu Chandra, who's a comic, and I. Uh, it's we just tell each other what terrible people we are, mostly for an hour. She's right. Yeah, <laughs> she's a cunt, though. It's I. <laughs> and there and there it is. <laughs> he is. It's it's mostly just I call we her. Almost made it to the end. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Oh, that made no, me no, no, but, but, no but, idea. But, but with all kidding aside, she is a cunt. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, thank you for coming on. We'll post this. We'll share the link with you so you can push awesome. it on your social media too. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Nice seeing everybody. Thank sort you of for having me on. Yeah. Take care, guys. Be safe. All right. Be safe. Take care. Bye.